Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Cut the Shit. A podcast that takes a closer look at the IT industry, both the good and the bad. My name is Cameron Plato. And I'm Brian Law. And I'm Brian Link. On today's episode, I'm really pleased to be talking with our own Ryan Harris. Ryan recently joined us as our network practice director, so he oversees all things network and connectivity for Plow. Ryan has been in this game for over 15 years, so he brings a ton of experience in managed network and security services to the table. And though he joined us only four months ago, he has announced his presence with authority in terms of the talent he has attracted to his team and the improvements he has made to our network practice overall. I've asked Ryan to join me today to talk about a classic cut-the-shit issue, buying technology you don't need. We see this a lot in the network and security space, so Ryan's background and experience give him a great perspective on this and a few war stories to boot. We'll delve into some reasons why he thinks this happens, some ideas about how to avoid it if you're on the buying side, and I'll finish up by trying to start an argument with Ryan about the best way to cook a Thanksgiving turkey. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. Um, I would, it would be remiss if I acted like this was the first time I've seen you today. We could act like that. Well, that's true. We could. We could. But it's not true. So, uh, And I do know a little bit about your backstory, but for the benefit of our millions of listeners out there, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm still pretty young, you know. I'm not Come old. Now. I'm not. I'm not old yet, I promise. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I kind of started out, um, I've been in, in the industry for probably 12 years now. Um, I started out on the network side, you know, same side, uh, really just as a net admin, um, working for, um, a company that, uh, it's more contract work and I got I just really interested in it. Right. And I was like, you know, thought maybe I can make this a career. Um, so I kind of moved around here locally and I ended up working for another MSP ISP here, uh, with a focus on data center services and, and ended up here uh, about four months ago. So, Excellent. So let's take a few steps back. So where'd you grow up? Kind of where, where are you from originally? So originally from Tennessee. Uh, so I grew up not far from here. I tried not to go too far from home because, you know, if you ever have to move back in with your parents, like you don't want to have to rent a big truck, right, and go very far. So <laughs> I never thought of that as a downside risk management tool, but hey, hey there you go. It's risk so, mitigation, 100%. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, from here, um, the Mount Juliet area, uh, born and raised, um, then kind of moved out towards into the city when I took a job out here. And, uh, just recently, my wife and kids, we just moved back to the Murfreesboro area. Cause you know, if you want to live in Nashville right now, you have to be a pretty much a millionaire. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's a strange, but true story as someone yeah, who grew up here. Um, you know, now when I move around the country and talk to people and you tell them you're from Nashville, it's a really cool thing. Yeah, and 100%. Trust me, 25, 30 years ago, that was not the case. People yeah. thought it was, they felt a little sorry for you. Yeah, you can um, thank us millennials. You're yeah, welcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And as our uh, one of our marketing team members would tell you, finding a place to live here is no joke. Um, if you're trying to find something that's reasonably priced and I not, can understand that. you know, two and a half hours away from town. So. Yeah, well, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. That's right. That's right. Um, so today, you know, we talked a little bit about this. I gave you a heads up, which I broke my rule uh, as a Much as, as a strict journalist. I'm not supposed to tell you what I'm supposed to, what I'm going to ask you, but I did I did uh, you know tell you a little bit about what we're going to get into today. But we wanted to talk about this idea of really this idea of folks needing a specific technology and and the and the belief that they need a specific technology. Sure. Um, and and then related to that around security. 
since both of those kind of fall into your area. And so, you know, maybe start, can you give me some examples, you know, in your career where you've, you know, you remember talking to a customer or a prospective customer, or maybe even an existing customer already wanting something new, who, when you, you know, when you try to have a conversation with them, they knew what they wanted. And, and you figured out pretty quickly, or you at least thought, maybe that's not the right answer. Yeah, it... It probably happens more than most people realize. Um, you know, I could I could think of one good example. Um, we we had a pretty large healthcare client, um, and they were dead set on a on a specific um, technology or, or or system that they needed um, around security, and uh, they had already picked out who you know what manufacturer they were going to use and how they were going to implement it and what areas of the business they were going to implement it and. Um, you know, when we first had a call with them, we were like, Hey, anytime we go into these, we go into these engagements, right? Like we want to understand the business need, right? Like what triggered this? Like what the, what's the business case for doing this? And, uh, it was pretty quickly apparent that there wasn't one. Um, and that this is like, uh, I like to say, you know, like CIO magazine, they pick it up on the plane and they're like that, I want that. Cause that guy, I like him. And he told me I needed it. Um, so yeah, it probably happens more than you know, but in that particular instance, we we really kind of had to like take a step back and be like, okay, let's let's really evaluate like what the what 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 what's the business going to gain from this, right? Like is this something that we're just we're buying cuz somebody's told you you needed it and you really don't have a business case for it or is this something like that, that that the business is going to is going to benefit from and I mean, it probably the answer is probably no, the business isn't going to benefit as much as, as you would think more often than, than not. How did that conversation go? My, I mean, my assumption was there was someone championing make, make, who yeah. already made the case, at least internally, that this was a good idea to somebody. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you know, when you, when, we, when you come into those conversations, uh, the decision makers are usually like donkey on the edge. Like they're just ready to pull the trigger. They just want to know how much they need to write the check for. Um, they so assume I, that they've already thought about right. Yeah, matching they've, they've already you know they've read the an name. article or they've talked to somebody who implemented it. Um, but I, we get, a lot of that gets lost in translation. And so, you know, when you're in those conversations, um, they they can they can go south pretty quick because here is this customer who's like, here take my money, like we want to implement this, and you're like, maybe we but but let's look and see why we need to do that. And it becomes it can it can become very contentious very quickly if you don't kind of disarm that because it to them they see that as like would you not do you not want to work with us like what you know we'll just go to somebody else who'll do this for it's us. It's kind of a weird violation of the trust. Right? It is, yeah, <laughs> it, it and which is weird because like you think I'm like don't have your back or something or I don't have your best interest when in all reality it's actually quite opposite like I'm trying to keep your best interest in mind so that you don't spend half a million million two million dollars on a product or service or infrastructure that you don't need yeah. um, but it's hard to convey that message in that moment because quite often those decision makers are already sold on that product or that service and so changing their mind at that point is it's a it's a it's a tall hill to climb and and this may not have been the case in this in this instance, um, but but was there a vendor involved or a manufacturer involved at some point prior to this discussion that had had colored this? Not to not to throw shade on all vendors, but I but mean, you could, if, you if, if you're selling, you know, we talked about this. We talk about this all the time around here. What you sell 
becomes important because you're selling it, right? right. And becomes right. a good solution right. because you're selling it. I mean, right. that's just the way the way it is. We we sell cloud services here, so we think cloud services are really great. Sure. And I actually believe that, but it also happens to be in my economic interest to believe that, right? And there are others who maybe don't see the world the same way for different reasons. So in this case, I was curious, Did you was there a vendor involved at all? Yeah, you know, there, there was there was and there wasn't, right? Um, so they hadn't reached out to this, to a particular vendor to, to start those conversations. Um, but they had clearly done some research on what they felt they needed and what they wanted to use and who they wanted to use. Um, so even in that, even at, in, at that point in the, in, in the conversations, um, it, it's hard to get them out of that uh, focusing on that vendor and, well, this is the best thing that we need because this vendor says they have the best X, you know, of anybody else who does the same thing, right? And, and uh, you know, vendors who are selling products, whether it be infrastructure or services or applications, right? Like everybody has their own little, you know, feathers in their cap that they tout that they use for marketing. And um, it's, uh, in that case, it was us just trying to maybe look at, bring some things to light that people hadn't, they hadn't thought about yet. Right. Um, it, it seems to be, I mean, it's prevalent across the board in terms of technology, but security in particular seems to be a problematic area Definitely. Uh, yeah, in, in this regard. And, and I, you know, I get it like security's super scary, right? I mean, it's a, there aren't very many things right now that feel like, the you know one thing can go wrong and and could kill the business right but but a lot of those seem to fall into the security bucket yeah so, definitely you know so the you know sort of the fear uncertainty and doubt quotient uh, or at least opportunity to talk about that around security solutions is big right 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 yeah it, it is and and you know just cybersecurity in general and just yeah it, you know focusing on network security and just data security you anything security related you know we've as a society we've We've kind of we've kind of put our lives and like and 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 really kind of put everything that we do into technology, whether it be you know our cell phones or laptops. And so, I think you when you start thinking about the real possibility of like, well, what if somebody gets my information? Like, oh, now they'll have credit card data and what I searched on Google last night, and it just becomes this like it's it's a fear, right? right? So. As humans, by nature, we're going to do whatever we need to do to like to not let that happen, and it's especially true, I think, with with companies who are responsible for you know safeguarding that security per se. I think it's 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 especially true there is there's this there's this level of like innate responsibility like that that your customers are putting this responsibility in you to make sure that you safeguard whatever they have, right? And so it's. Securities, it's 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 a, it's a tough it's a tough world to live in right now and to try to navigate and I, and I think that you know as somebody who who does what we do I think we we kind of have to look at everything through a security lens right yeah and I, you know I mean a lot of what you just described there it, it, you know, it makes me realize right I hadn't really thought about it this way but how much emotion is tied up in, uh, in a security, not just a security purchase, but the idea of security, yeah. you know, whether that's your personal informational security or your company or corporate, right. you know, we tend to think about it as, oh, it's a risk for the business. Like, 
you know, an economic risk. But I mean, what, what you just pointed out really is maybe something a little bit bigger than that. And that probably makes this whole purchasing process or sort of vetting process that much more difficult. Yeah, it is because there, there is that, that emotional aspect, right? Because it's data security and just, you know, it's become so much more now than just uh, safeguarding credit card numbers and, and, and social security numbers. Like, you know, you're, you're talking about like pictures of your kids and, uh, you know, what you ate for dinner last night and where you drove. And it's, it's, it's so, you know, technology and subsequently, you know, security is so ingrained in everything we do now that it's, it touches everybody. And that's, there's an emotional impact. And I think that's, I think that is starting to become very relevant and very real to you know, just people in general, our society. Yeah. And, and, you know, not that this is new or particularly insightful, but the internet by its very nature, its openness is both its greatest strength and its greatest weakness, right? Absolutely. And, and, and the reality is there is no fully secure network or no, or a fully secure environment if right. you're going to connect and be networked right. with the outside right. world through the internet. Right. And I, I, you know, to say that out loud maybe makes some people scared, but it's, it's never been not the case. Yeah. It's probably not a good double negative, but nevertheless, we're going to stick with uh, it. It made sense to me. Though. Yeah. Okay, good. But, but so have you had conversation, you know, one of the things that's always interested to me having been on the other side and had to, buy technology and try to secure an environment that was in financial services and had all of the, you know, sort of these elements we're talking about, um, trying to explain to non-technical people this idea that, Hey, look, there's no way we can make this thing secure. Like that's a very scary thing to hear when you're someone who's got a personal guarantee on a loan for a business and to think like, wait, you're telling me I can't secure this 100%. And the answer is absolutely not. No. Right. Um, but, you know, we tend to think somehow differently about technology because we also know that there's no 100% guarantee of security with the people who walk in and out of your business. I mean, if you told people that for every 100 employees you hired, there's a chance that one of them is probably going to steal something from you, they would probably say, oh, that's not that big a surprise. No, <laughs> right, right. right. They, they wouldn't be that yeah. surprised. They might be a little disappointed. But and it's not, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you got to watch out for Joe. Yeah, 100%. Um, but something about the technology at least makes us think that we can do something different with it. Um, sure. And so I'm just curious, as can you think back to some of the conversations you've had with clients over the years where you felt like you were bumping up against that? Yeah, and, and you know, we, we, I've seen this quite a few times, and a lot of times it stems from, you know, a lot of the engagements that we have are post what we, it's like post-mortem, right? Like, a lot of times people don't decide to make a decision, especially when it comes to like security until something's happened. And and that's what really triggers like, Oh shit, we got to do something about this. It's okay to say shit on this podcast. Yeah, okay. All right. I, 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 I did see the, this name. isn't dad life. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, you you have these conversations after something's happened, right? And there's this innate just overwhelming fear with with people where um, they want to know just immediately that like, hey, what you're going to do is going to fix everything, right? Like we're not going to be like we're going to have zero risk and, and this is never going to happen again, right? And 
you, you've got to like, you gotta, you gotta get out of that pretty quick because if, you know, the longer that you allow somebody to believe that, the harder it is, the harder it's going to be to kind of come back from that. And, and I think, you know, uh, telling somebody, Hey, no, that's not, that's not the way it's working. And we, we talked about this, you know, like if you want to do that, like get off the internet, like hundred percent that, that will, that's your, that's, that's the hundred percent answer. Then you'll be honest. Then then nothing's ever going to happen to you bad from a, from a cyber standpoint. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have those conversations and then you have, it, it becomes real right to, to a lot of decision makers and a lot of companies that like, we can't, there's no solution that's going to provide us the ability to say, you know what? We bought this product. We bought this service. So this will never happen to us again. I mean, it's just not true. It's not going to happen. You know, there's, you know, we talk about bad actors. Like there's people coming up with new ways to attack networks and the internet every hour. I mean, every minute there's people inventing new ways to do things. And so, it's it's not possible and that's a hard bridge bridge to cross and i think i think a lot a lot of times it's 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 a bridge that a lot of decision makers aren't willing to cross like it's one of those things where like you know what i'll just talk to somebody else like somebody else will tell me yes and that's where you get into a lot of you know companies that are like yeah we'll do that we'll 100% you'll never get attacked again and and that's a whole different conversation. Right, right. Well, and there's that, obviously. Um, and then there's the – that's a great opportunity for – I'll call product development, but that might even be generous. But coming up with new ways of positioning products to maybe not say 100% that you'll never get hacked or this will this will solve all your problems, but pretty close to that or dazzling people with, you know – AI and algorithms and machine learning and you yeah. know vector yeah. vector mapping and lots and lots of of cool lingo and and frankly real technology I'm not sure saying yeah it's not. absolutely but you know I'm gonna put you on the spot a little in your mind what are some of the best bullshit technologies out there around oh, security man. that you're seeing I'm gonna um, make a lot of people mad that's okay it's um, okay I mean we're not you know it doesn't mean that there's not it's more maybe the gap between what they say they can do and what they actually do yeah I mean you know. You could probably there's a list in security because there's a lot of companies who feed off that 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 fear right of like protecting data and you know that you look at like sim products like we're gonna tell you everything that happens on your network we're gonna tell you exactly when it happened and we're gonna correlate those logs to like all of your infrastructure and you're gonna know without a doubt what happened and what it affected like that's bullshit that's it's like. No, it's, it's it, those, and, and here's the deal is like, there's a, there's a huge place for those types of services and there's a huge place for those types of, of solutions. I think the problem is a lot of times is the way they're marketed and the way they're sold as like an end all be all solution. Right. Like if you just buy this product from us, you're, you're good. You don't have to worry about anything again. When in reality, it's like, Hey, this product will help you like, get to where you want to be and like making your, 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 your network or, you know, your posture more secure, but it's not like a, it's not a one size fix all. It's not a magic wand. Right. And it, and it adds work, right? I mean, it does. even in a situation like where you've got kind of a sock as a service or something where there are humans looking at that data flow and doing analysis and putting reports together, 
for you. Well, somebody has to look at that. Somebody has yeah. to decide, are we going to do something different? Are we going to make changes? You know, whatever the, you know, whatever outcomes I mean, what are some examples of things that you've seen on kind of the back end of those that ended up being like more ongoing work and I'll call active management of the network that the company maybe wasn't prepared for? Yeah. I mean, I've dealt with this recently with a, with a, with a local financing, financial institution, um, several years ago, essentially they, they wanted SIM, right? Like we're going to, we're going to have SIM. We, 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 we want it and, and we're going to buy it and whatever it costs. And so we implemented it and, um, we started sending them, you know, all these logs and like alerts of, of things that were happening on their network. And literally the guy who was responsible for like overseeing the implementation was like, make these stop. I can't, I don't, I can't go through these. I don't have time. I'm not going to do anything about them. And it was like, what would i mean we can make them stop but what's the that's, that's what you bought it what's for what's the point right. <laughs> you know? right. that was the idea well, right this was the whole idea and it just goes to show you like i think there's a this again i think in that case it's just a this kind of like misconception that like just implementing this was going to take care of everything that there's no work that has to be done on the back end right, right. so that in itself i think that's where you see a lot of the problem of like these these magic magic services yeah there's a mismatch there i think expectations versus reality Definitely. doesn't mean the reality is not helpful or good sure but it's that it's that gap yep. so so you know we're since we're giving them a hard time on the on one technology let's go the other direction what what's an undervalued security technology from your perspective that people don't think or talk enough about uh, maybe we just take it for granted now. smart people <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, for yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is like phishing. Like, you know, don't click on bad, you know, don't click on a link. You you know, you don't know what it is. Like, don't do that. Um, not uh, in, in in all seriousness. Um, yeah, you know, I, th- I think that one of the biggest tools that people can use, and and there's a million different flavors, is is just understanding your network better, whether that be through you know, like uh, mapping a network or, or, or doing some kind of assessment or um, doing some kind of traffic study and, you know, using, you know, SFlow or, or NetFlow or something to give you insight into what's going on under your network. I think, I think where a lot of people get in trouble is they just don't understand what's going on in their network. They don't have a clue. So they, how do they know if something bad is going on if they don't know what it's supposed to right. be Right. If, if you don't right? know what's normal, how do you know that something's <laughs> abnormal? abnormal, right? And so... You know, I, I think the best advice I can give people is like, just understand your network and understand what normal looks like uh, via how, whatever avenue you want to do to, to obtain that. Like, just understand what's going on in your network. You wouldn't like you, you, you want to understand what's like going on in your house, right? Like, especially my kids, like, I, which let's be honest, I don't, I don't understand what's going on in my house a lot of the times. <laughs> let's either here or there, but. It's the same thing, right? It's just you want to understand what's going on in your network so you can identify something when it's not right. Well, that seems to, you know, I know enough about your priors that I'm, you know, I've, I've got a little inside baseball here. But the simplicity of a network is... It, sound, it made it sound like I had a criminal record when you said that, my priors. Well, I mean, maybe you do. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I can't share of, that on this that podcast. It would be kind of cool, though, yeah. if I was like, you know... You're, yeah. you're, you're now white hat instead of a black hat. Yeah, guy. if I was like okay. some like notorious... Oh, man. Sorry, you I missed really missed, out. I missed an opportunity there. You did. God. You did. I know enough about your priors to know that you have a penchant for simplicity when it comes to network design. Yes. So talk a little bit about that and maybe some examples where 
complexity caused some real issues for for clients along the way. Yeah. So um, yeah, I do love uh, simplicity um, because it aids in success. Um, but why? I'm gonna push. Here's on that the. Here's the. Yeah. So why? Um, so a lot of times what people run into in our industry, IT is a very fluid industry. We all know that, right? And, and it's especially true with resources, right? You don't tend to see, especially, you know, engineers, network engineers, systems engineers who stay in one place for a long period of time. You know, you tend to like, you know, five, five to seven, eight years in a role in IT, you move on, right? It's just, it's just kind of the nature of the industry. Um, here's where get, people get in trouble is um, with a complex network, that turnover um, creates problems in itself because if I've got a complex network, um, if I've got to have somebody come out, come in and learn that network, uh, it's it's going to be a lot. It's a lot bigger transition, right? For somebody to come in and go, okay, well, I this is a huge network. It's very complex. Um, I don't have any experience with this. You know, I'm two weeks into my job. Um, I'm going to have to learn all this. Right. Something uh, goes bump, then there's a problem. Right. And, and, and yeah. And then, and the backside, just what you said, even, even if you've, when you, you know, have got a guy who's been there 10 years and he's the one to design the network, even with complex networks, identifying problems is, is that much harder, right? Cause there's more layers of, you know, infrastructure that you have to go through to identify a problem. And that, that in itself, if you can keep things simple, um, there's a lot less of that that has to take place. Uh, when there's issues or, or when you've got, you know, turnover and, and then, then you do when you have a complex network. I mean, this might beg the question a bit, but is it easier or harder to put together simple networks versus complex? I would probably qualify that with like, you can build a really complex network that works really bad. You know, that, that functions poorly. Um, I think by nature, simple networks are, are usually pretty easy. Um, you know, on the flip side of that with complex networks, you usually have more resources engaged. Um, but, uh, is it easier? Eh, it's easier to build simpler networks. That's just by nature, right? But, then why don't more people do it? Uh, marketing. Um, back to the problem we were talking yeah. about previously. So, everybody wants the best thing, right? Like, we all want to drive a Cadillac. Uh, or whatever today's Maybe version that's of a, not a good example. Yeah, it's probably a bad example at Tesla. I don't know. Um, anyway. Um, so like you have these companies who are, who are selling these things that are the best at what they do, but not everybody needs them. Right. But, but there's nobody in the industry right now who's going, you don't need that. What they're saying is don't buy that, buy my stuff. Cause I do it better. Not you don't need what I do, um, so you have a lot of these very overcomplicated networks uh, around the world that that quite frankly there's no need for. Um, do you see that as more of an in-house creation created and you know a, a, a staff that's internal to a, a company? And we're going to assume mostly larger, not not that they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily have to be huge, but larger companies would be more likely to have or at least the potential for more complexity around their network, just because they're bigger, right? I mean, just because it's bigger doesn't mean it has to be complex, but it's hard to get too complex if it's a real, sure. a real sure. small small setup. But do you see that more of a function of internal, internally managed networks, or is there some, 
are there some forces driving, you know, outsource providers of network management to lean toward lean into complexity because it makes you maybe you're more needed in the process on the back end. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the latter there. I mean, you have a lot of I mean ever it you know, you hate to say job security, right? But like you have a lot of partners, um, a lot of service providers who lean on that complexity because by nature that complexity lends them to, hey, you're gonna have to keep us around to manage this thing because it's too complex for you. Um and so because of the nature of the business and because of IT is this like magic thing that like nobody knows how to do except the select few people in the world. You have decision makers who are like, yep, we agree. We don't want to mess with it. We don't know what it is because there's these magic boxes and they do what, so yep, we're going to continue to pay you. I think some of it is, I think there's a stigma around, especially in the engineering community that like, well, if I don't build like, if I don't inject some complexity into the network, like uh, I'm going to look, be looked down on that. Like I didn't, I'm not a good engineer. Like, so I gotta like, I gotta like over complicate this network to like tout my chops. I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm a good I'm, engineer. I'm good. I can I'm do really the hard good stuff. Engineer. Look at this. Yeah. Like, no, that's, that's a terrible way to look at it. Um, I mean, that, that has problems all over the place, right? Well, you know, thinking about return on investment, you know, isn't necessarily easy when it comes to, to network design, I don't think, because, you know, a complicated network or a simple network can both operate just fine for long periods of time. If there's an issue, then quantifying or figuring out, like, how hard was it to figure out how to get it back on, on track, right? Right. You don't know that until it until you have an outage. Well, right. that means you've already bought and installed everything, so it's right. too late from yep. that standpoint. I mean, obviously, cost wise, a, a more complex network would cost more. Right. You generally, would have more gear and more software. Sure, um, but outside of that, it's a little tricky. Um, how else? I mean, you know, having been on this side and thinking about trying to make a return off of managing networks, how have you thought about the the return on investment perspective? Maybe as a provider. Uh, and and where does that where does that lend itself to the simplicity you know argument you're trying to make? Yes, so you know, and and something that I've tried to do, and I, I know that you know, kind of we collectively, you and I, kind of have the same belief on and, and plow in general is like just trying to flip that around to where hey, like you don't need us because you have this overcomplicated network, and we're the only ones who can do it. Like, let us help you focus on your business, so you're not just you know focusing on the day to day mundane tasks that are required to manage a network. Um, I think we get so caught up in, um, especially on the managed service provider side of like, I I guess we just look at it, you know, a lot of service providers look at it in the wrong light when in reality we should be looking at it in a light of, of, let us let us help you do what you do better, not let us manage your network. You know, let us help you focus on your business and I, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing that we can do for 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 clients and customers is is kind of flipping that over. I think that's a pretty good place to kind of we'll, we'll put a pin in that and stop uh, on the on the network side as far as uh, as far as that discussion goes. One of the things I always like to do in these conversations is ask a, a few little 
curveball questions to you, maybe on the personal Ooh, side. That sounds um, fancy. Yeah, well, it's it's pretty fun since I didn't put these. You don't you don't know what's coming, so mm, it's always mm-hmm. better that way. Um, but I had a couple in mind that they're they're softball, so don't get don't get too. I'm gonna nervous. swing at them. But it's the holiday season. Thanksgiving is approaching, mm, and Christmas is around yes. the corner. So you know, a couple things are really important for me. Uh, you know, to to know if I can really trust someone, and the first one is. When is it okay to start listening to Christmas music? Oh, I'm glad my wife's not here right now because she'd be very mad at me. Um, gosh, you know, I love Christmas. Can I just that, that especially like when you have kids, like it's like a whole it, it it's hard, you it's know hard to get much better. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a whole different deal now. Um, but you know, I, I think uh, I, I, I'm old school here. December first, like you're in the month. Like, oh, you want to wait till you want to wait yeah, till December. Yeah, I just feel like God. November must be rough for you. It is. Yeah, it's really rough, especially like you go to Target and it's like it's, it's, it's cranking. Yeah. right now. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. You can yeah. go listen to like the entire Mariah Carey album at Target. Um, yeah, I just like I, I think the longer you pull out that Christmas music, like the, it taints it. Like it, it's not as like okay. Okay. I want that whole month of December to be like. Yeah, we've just always Christmas. we've always been the day after Thanksgiving, so that see, but I could I could go with that because you're only a couple days away. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. close. It's close. But you gotta wait till after Thanksgiving. You gotta wait till okay. after Thanksgiving. Fair enough. Well, I, I know why the retailers do it. I get it. You know, they, you remember that marketing thing we talked about? Yes, yeah. exactly. They yeah. they they got they got product to move. So yeah, 100%. I, I understand. Yeah, but in a perfect world, day after Thanksgiving for me. Yeah, I get it. All right, so for turkey on Thanksgiving. How do you? We deep fry our turkey. Mm. We've cooked it in the oven before, um, yep. and I have a strong preference for one of those. But I'm yeah. curious to know how do you guys do your turkey? Neither. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, so as a kid, we deep fried them. Uh, my dad deep fried it. Which, if you've never seen your dad deep fry turkey, it's hysterical. <laughs> Especially if he's never done it before, that's the best thing on earth. Anyway, I hope we didn't put the frozen one in there and it blow up. No, no. that's actually what happens. It's pretty ugly. Go to YouTube and watch. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to look those up now. Well, that blew my productivity for the rest of the day. Um, So uh, we, I I just recently, I can't say recently, the last couple of years, um, uh, smoked turkeys. I've been smoking things. Okay. So uh, do like a Cajun rub, and then yeah, you can't beat that. I'm, I'm telling you, smoked turkey is the way to go. Well, as a as a born and raised Southerner, anything is better if you fry it. So I'm gonna have to stick with fried turkey. I but I, I, I get it. smoked. I, I'm I'll, I'll give you that. That's, I get it. That's a plus. So that's do you when do you do you inject it with anything? No, you don't. You don't need to. You just. Rub you like it. take it out of the thing and like just deep fry it in peanut oil, rub it with a, a dry rub, and okay. So you at is, least you know you put some kind of seasoning. Yeah, yeah, or something yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, for sure, for sure. But it's uh, anyway. Maybe we should exchange. And it's turkeys. a little bit of danger. It's kind of scary. So that makes it. That oh, adds, that so adds it's, a, it's adds like a little it's bit of like fun a, to it. Adrenaline. Thing. Yeah, there's a little bit to that, for sure. Okay, so I can respect that. Give that a. Give we that should a, swap turkeys one year. Well, let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. Last question: What's the best? Christmas gift you ever got? Oh man, because um, mine stands out of my mind like it's so crystal clear to me. I can't, I which I think maybe is weird, but yeah. I mean, I I know it as a father what I'm supposed to say, um, and that's like one of my like my one of my kids was born in December, so yeah, you know, no, yeah. I'm talking about a gift. That's oh, 100. percent um, You help create that. Uh, that doesn't count. I got a um, Red Rider BB gun. I know that sounds crazy, um, but I got a BB gun on my like six. Thanks, birthday. Ralphie. 100. <laughs> percent Yeah, 
I got a Red Rider BDB gun. And here's the funny, this is a good Shoot story. Shoot your eye out with that thing. Yeah, like almost. <laughs> so here's the funny thing is, at the time I got that, I still, um, there's going to be some kids listening. I still believed in Santa. I don't think any kids listen to this well, podcast, I'm but just, that's okay. I I'm mean, just saying, I, yeah, you stumble into stuff on YouTube sometimes. and We're, we're all about mysticism you know, here. You know, who yeah. knows? <sighs> Sparkle. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we were at Walmart, uh, me and my dad, my mom, um, and I wanted a BB gun. And so I still believed in Santa, so I'd ask Santa for the BB gun. And so we were in the store, and my mom had taken me off somewhere, and my dad had gone off by himself. I didn't know at the time. Now I've put the dots together. Now you know together. what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. And so I get back, and we get back to the cart, and I see this BB gun on the bottom, like, you know, the, the I call it the toilet paper rack. Mm-hmm, underneath, yeah. Yeah, there's this BB gun, and my dad has, like, crudely put his jacket over it, <laughs> but I can see the barrel and the stock. And so at that point, I was like, you got to be kidding me. It was like this mixed emotion of like, I'm getting the BB gun, but also there's no fat man. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? I, I know I know where this stuff is coming from. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of... It's a bummer. It was a bummer. But it also didn't it make you think your parents... Didn't, I mean, I remember when I found out, because I had an older sister, so you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, I thought I was sad, but then I thought, that's pretty cool that my parents do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, how dumb you are when you're, yeah, you know, yeah. nine. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess my thought was, was like... A, because I'm a weirdo, I was like, well, then who gives the other presents? And then it was like, oh, they give both of them. Right, right. Oh, yes, now yes. I get it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, mine, I clearly remember it. Christmas of my third grade year, I was eight. Uh, it was a long time ago. And I got a dirt bike, not a, not a motorcycle, yeah. a, a bicycle, but it was a dirt bike, a, Ram, okay. a Rampar 400. Ooh. Still remember it. Blue with red trim. Get and out. it was a badass bicycle. That's awesome. And somebody stole it three months later. What? No kidding. Maybe that's what? why I remember it because it got stolen from I me. think there's some like PTS. Like, yeah. There's some I, trauma I, I, there. It still hurts a little. It still hurts a little. Yeah, there's some but, trauma there. Or as yeah. my wife says, spicy memories. Well, then she's right about that. I like that. those. Yeah, I like I was, spicy memories. I wasn't, I wasn't happy about that. Yeah. Well, Ryan, thanks for coming on. I yeah, know absolutely. Uh, maybe you didn't have a choice since you work here, but you nevertheless, know. you probably could have found something else to do other than spending time with us here on Cut the Shit. I've enjoyed it. It's been good. Well, maybe we'll have you back sometime to talk, uh, talk technology again. Awesome. Sounds good. Cut the Shit is brought to you by Plow Networks and is produced by Talia Domenico and Emily Starnes. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did... We'd be most grateful if you would share it with others who you think might be interested in hearing a somewhat irreverent take on the arcane world of IT. If you aren't enjoying it, well, why are you listening? You can find links to this podcast on our website at plow.net, on our YouTube and Instagram feeds, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, LinkedIn, and probably a bunch of other places too. Or as my kids like to say, just Google that shit. You'll find it for sure. Take care and have a great day.